I was thinking in my head, yeah, she's doing so much better than the last one we did. And that's when you started stumbling and I'm like, oh no. Thank you for joining the Escape With Me book club. Escape with me, Sam Reiner. And me, Caitlin. Into our most recent read. Come with us as we evade reality and go into detail about a new book. We'll be covering the book from beginning to end, so remember, there will be spoilers. Today we're going to Agrabah in this reimagining of the classic tale turned Disney. Published in September 2015, A Whole New World takes the Disney tale and puts a spin on it, asking the question, what if Aladdin didn't have the lamp? This is the debut novel in the Twisted Tales series of books that that are still popular today. With the new focus, let's see how this collaboration between the author and Disney holds up. So the background for this book is I've seen them in bookstores and I was curious. I haven't. I think I probably saw them advertise on Facebook or maybe when I first got my Kindle subscription, just because there's so many books in the series and I obviously am a huge Disney file, but I had literally never heard of any of these before. Really? Yeah. I think about like the re- or so in I started to notice them in the bookstores just because they would put them on tables and stuff and I'm sure Disney has that advertising money age level so this has been aged up mm, for sure this is young adult instead of PG which I would think is midlit maybe even children's book yeah it's definitely been aged up it hits a really weird note sometimes only because the advertising is so centered around the movie and it being like oh it's the movie but different and it's aged up and then you start off things with the first time you meet Jafar you realize Jafar killed Iago to do dark magic yeah super weird that scene had me creeped out a little bit and he's talking to no one yeah and things like kind of a torture scene but it's for the magic carpet but it's still really disturbing and you're like this is weird well and I mean just flat out having death in it more than anything yeah that's not so much what happens and the movie, like throwing the Sultan off the balcony. That alone is when I was like, oh, okay, here's the twist. Because if you put this in a movie form, it would not be something you'd show your toddlers. No, this would definitely be PG-13. Yeah. So content warning, we've touched on it a little bit. Blood, animal cruelty, murder, and graphic violence. Yeah. Sometimes they're just like, and I stabbed him. And then sometimes they're like, let me explain exactly what this looks like in excruciating detail. So sometimes I wonder if the author did that for all of the deaths and then Disney was like, okay, let's calm down. Maybe. I don't know. I also noticed with the stuff in the beginning, right, she stuck very close to the movie, obviously. And then I mean, there wasn't anything that was graphically violent but kind of, I guess, implied that Aladdin does things. But then when she started going into that dark territory, she just kind of, you know, no holds backs. Yeah. But it was just, it would be kind of randomly. Like she had to be very picky about when her creepy death scenes were and so she picked them but like the rest were like nope kind of cartoonish. Yeah. Judge a book by its cover. That's Aladdin. Yeah, I disagree. Neither of the books are Aladdin. The first one is Jasmine and the second one is Jafar. Well, that's what I meant. It's the movie. That's all I really thought because I saw the second cover first, which I like better. The purple one with Jafar and the genie lamp and I'm like, yep, that is the movie Aladdin. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's very obvious what it's based on. So I wasn't sure what else to think about it. Mm -hmm. And technically 
probably the second cover lies because the first cover you're right it's just jasmine's face and it fades into agrabah and then the second cover is a cool mysterious jafar in shadows and has his glowy white eyes and agrabah in the back and the genie lamp but it asked the question what if aladdin had never found the lamp not accurate not accurate because aladdin does find the lamp it's just that jafar keeps it after the cave yeah i wrote down the alternative question what if aladdin never kept the lamp yeah even though in the movie aladdin wasn't the one who got the lamp abu was yeah i think i would have put it down as what if jafar got the lamp or ended up with the lamp yeah yeah because like i said false advertising mm-hmm. so it makes me wonder when i'm looking at the covers of the rest of them trust issues every book has a question so it makes me wonder is this misleading but i agree with you the second cover they obviously went with something like okay here's a theme and we're going to be able to use a similar type of theme for all the other book covers you know you're going to put your villain on the front with a couple little details that remind you of the movie just to reel you in and get you going yeah and the first couple have the quote-unquote villain and then i think around the fourth one they started just putting whoever they wanted to on the cover yeah milan is the fourth one and so she's the one instead of the villain being and then as it went on like rapunzel's on the front anna and elsa's on the front yeah but that's what i'm saying what if they turn out to be the villains dun, dun, dun. it's a twisted tale right good question but yeah it is a little bit of trust issues now yeah every time i read the question yeah exactly the first cover with the face and then the image in the face they had one of those for the first two. Oh, really and then third on they did the new style so i wonder if it just wasn't obviously disney enough honestly i like i said i think it's a better choice a lot of time in ya book covers they want to have a young face on it but you kind of seen them moving away from that and being more vague on ya covers at least i have yeah and like i said it just looks so much better maybe they just realized that it was actually doing super well and so they were like hey let's put money in to this. Also, the author diverges at some point. Liz Braswell didn't write all of these. Yeah, which is very common for licensed media is they want to publish them quickly and you can only do so many so quickly. Exactly. So the first cover ever doesn't have a question on it, but the first style where it's the face and the second book, it does have the question, what if Sleeping Beauty never woke up, which is the start of the questions. Yeah. And I actually think it's that Disney commissioned these and they made it so low key in case it bombed that it wouldn't come back on them as obvious. Maybe. I don't know anything about Liz Braswell. Me neither. So she did a couple books before that because you're not going to become a licensed writer without writing something of your own. Oh, apparently Liz Braswell was the person who did the book series The Nine Lives of Chloe King, which was a brief ABC family television show. Interesting. Yeah. And then it looks like she's mainly done Twisted Tales since then, which makes sense. Yeah. And a couple other licensed stuff. Oh, is that a new cover? There might be three covers. Yeah, are you seeing the black background with the white? The black background with the white and the dragon. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so there might be three covers, but that also might be like a regional cover, like a UK cover or something. I'd have to look into it. Yeah, because, oh, that's the same thing. It's a whole new world. And it's the genie lamp and Agrabah is like white smoke. Yeah, oh, I see it. It's a new edition. Oh, they have all of them in this style. I do like that cover too, though. That's pretty cool. Is this a UK cover? 
where are you guys based from? I don't know. I'd have to do some more research on that. But apparently there are three covers. Yeah, that's interesting. I think the outright Disney one was probably the best pick. I like the Twisted Tales black and white, but honestly, as weird and creepy as some of the parts can be, it's still very Disney. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) And so it's not even like this is Halloween creepy Disney. Oh yeah, for sure. It doesn't stay there. Uh -uh. I mean, they definitely go to some dark places, but Guy still gets the girl, everything works out in the end. and There's some straight up cartoon violence where I'm just like, I have to think of this as a cartoon, otherwise this is stupid. Exactly. Doesn't make any sense at all. So yeah, I don't know. All three of them just make me think, yep, that's Aladdin. Mm -hmm. Which is probably the point. Yeah, it does its job, I think. And there's a prologue, which isn't in the movie, and you kind of get to meet mom. Which is fun and nice. You get to see her and how she kind of tried to raise Aladdin and why he has certain morals that he has and whatnot. Yeah, because I think in watching the movie, I realized you don't really need to give Aladdin much of a backstory because you can focus a cartoon camera. You get to see him. He's cute and he's a little ragtag guy and he's got his monkey and everything. But you don't really get that visual with the book. And also, you know, you have to explore a character depth a little bit more. So I did like what they did with his mom. Yeah, you don't even know about his dad until the third movie? Oh, I forgot. Yeah, the sequels. He was also a thief or something. I can't remember. He was also a thief and he was off to find his grand treasure and he finds it, but it's a little late. And he ends up having to give it up, blah, 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 which is a combination of Aladdin and one of the other stories from Arabian Nights. I cannot remember off the top of my head which one, but I'd have to watch the movie again. I'm having very vague memories of what the movie is even about. Yeah, so you get a lot more about Aladdin's past from the prologue a little bit. Caught some background on Razul. Yeah. Fair. But I know that was so interesting because, again, watching the movie, you're like, oh, so this is the guy that they're going to do all these connections with. And part of me was wondering, I didn't even think about the other Aladdin movies and what details they may have brought from those. But I saw all the characters you wrote out and everything. And it makes me wonder how many of these people that they added in in this book may have been pulled from the actual Arabian Nights, A Thousand Nights or whatever it's called story. Well, also the TV show because they had a very very brief TV show. I don't think it had that many seasons. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. But I remember the TV show. I remember like two episodes. It makes me wonder how much content did the author actually end up watching? Did she watch all three movies? Did she watch the entire TV show? Did she read Arabian Night to get all these extra details? It kind of makes me want to read the original, the A Thousand Nights or Arabian Nights, whichever one it's called, to see. I have it on my shelf. I'm not in my library though, so I can't look at it. (laughs) Oh, we apparently had three seasons. Wow. Oh, interesting. The first season premiered on the Disney Channel. Ah, good old Disney Channel. But the second and third appeared on CBS. Hmm, that's weird. That is very weird. Does Disney own CBS? I know they own ABC. No, it's Paramount. Okay. Maybe they owned them at the time? I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Oh, we can go into how Disney owns everything later. Yeah. Can talk about that for hours. I don't know about you. It felt like reading the beginning, it took ages to get to the point where the book was going to diverge to the different storylines. It felt like with the Cursed Child book or the Fantastic Beasts book, all it is is they wrote the screenplay down and sold it to make more money. That's what it felt like in the beginning. I'm like, I know all of this. You're barely 
really adding any details to make this relevant. And so that part felt like it dragged a lot until you finally got to that divergence. Yeah, it was a choice for it to go on as long as it did. Yeah. Because, yeah, you needed to have Aladdin, uh, introduce Aladdin, and you needed to introduce Jasmine. And I guess they had to meet. Maybe, maybe not. But yeah, it took, what is it, like 20 minutes in the movie? That's what I was going to say. Yeah, the amount of book to movie comparison was probably 20, maybe 30 minutes in the entire movie. And it had like three songs, so. Yeah, mainly music. (laughs) Which I, side note, really appreciate several times in the book. She'll make comments. And it's kind of a call out to the songs from the movie. Yeah, the songs or just regular dialogue, like the chapter that's entitled Just for a Loaf of Bread. You know, that's something that Aladdin says when being pursued by the guards. Uh, So I did love that, the little things that they pulled in. Yeah, I wrote down specifically, he had to plan his next move immediately to stay one step ahead of the guards. Yeah, that was good. (laughs) Gotta keep head of the law, man. Yeah, that's a good song. That was funny. I appreciated that. Mm Mm-hmm. And there was also later on where Aladdin's like, you know, Genie, he doesn't say it out loud. I think he thinks it to himself. He's like, I feel like we could have been friends in another life. And I'm like, hee hee. Yeah, that was cute. Because you're like, oh, yes, you're best friends. Besties. I hate that they didn't really ever get to meet until the end. Yeah. I wish they actually did more with the Genie and Jasmine's friendship. I agree. Because the Genie's in the book, but all three of them... It gets a little tedious. The whole plot line of I'm alienated feel bad for me. Oh, what? For Jasmine? For all three of them. Aladdin, Genie, Jasmine, and technically Jafar. But it was just like... How many scenes do we need of, you don't understand what it's like to be alone. And it's like, I do understand what it's like to be alone. Yeah, I do agree, though, that this version really minimizes the genie, which is just sad because the best part about the animated movie is the genie and Robin Williams' portrayal of the genie and his fun, quirky qualities. And you get basically nothing of that in there. You get little hints where, like, you can tell he's trying, but nothing. And even the end, he's just so sad. I did love them giving him a story, right? I had a wife. This is why I became a genie versus, you know, being a djinn. And I like that they pulled in a lot of that kind of lore, but there wasn't enough genie in the book. Yeah, that actually made me sadder because they gave him a really cool backstory. Yep. And then it was this whole story of, of essentially forbidden knowledge where he was like, I'm gonna save the world by getting forbidden knowledge and becoming a genie and then finding out, oh wait, the world has balancing practices and so that didn't actually help. And his regret in the wedding dress that he keeps giving Jasmine being his wife's wedding dress, but all of his kind is destroyed and dead. And I know. That's so much more interesting than my dad won't let me leave the palace. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Which is another thing. It actually really annoyed me that Jasmine was the one that kept having it. Because yes, there is totally a valid point there of she's not allowed to live her life. And it's actually kind of bad that she's so sheltered. But that is not compared to being extremely impoverished or having your entire race destroyed and you're now a servant to man. Yeah. Jasmine, you're not in the ball game. Not even close. But at the end of the day, I didn't even think about 
how you said that Jafar is also on that level to some extent, being shunned and not having people being lonely. And I think it just goes to show how people will choose to live different lives. Yeah. Right. Like Aladdin, knowing what he had to do, just had a content life and he stole where he needed to steal. Jasmine decided to run away from it. Genie decided to try and fix it, what he thought was going to be a positive way. And Jafar just wanted to light it all on fire and be the leader <laughs> or get people to love him, which talk about how weird that was. Oh my gosh. Jafar in the book reminded me more of the Jafar in the live action than the Jafar in the movie. Because the movie Jafar knew what his business is about. Yeah. Book Jafar was an idiot. It really was. And I mean, they're just doing the trope of teenagers can beat the bad guy, which I mean, again, that's why it's a YA novel. But at the same time, it just creates all these plot holes. Because even if you're not a genie, you made yourself the most powerful sorcerer in the world. So all powerful sorcerers should be able to take down some teenagers. Yeah. And he makes so many blunders and he has to so that they can actually defeat because I made a note, one of my many red notes that you think are so funny, apparently. They're so good. The one about how Jafar doesn't deserve magic. There's a point where I joke, instead of just casting hold person, which he did earlier in the book, Mm -hmm. so it's not like I'm being snippy or anything like that. He's done it before, but instead he just sends exploding furniture at people so they can dodge and be cool and whatever. But no, in that scene, it's just super simple acrobatics that they're using against Jafar and all of his magics and it's totally fine versus the best magic ever. Yeah, and I mean part of me kind of actually liked that because they had established earlier a couple scenes before that when they're planning on taking down Jafar, how his magic is good when people are far away. You get up close to him and that's when he's weak because this kind of magic takes energy, concentration, and power which is actually pretty consistent with RPGs, right? Like hold person is a concentration spell, you know? and not necessarily something you can do to multiple targets at once. But I do still agree that you shouldn't have been so easily taken down. It's frustrating because several times in the book they have to mention, oh, Jafar's really powerful, but he's not smart enough to know how to use it, so we can do it. And it's just, you're nerfing your villain. He's not scary anymore. No. I don't feel vindicated. Okay, the one time I thought it was really cool was when Aladdin and Jafar are grappling for the staff, which I don't understand that logic because Jafar wished to be the most powerful sorcerer, but his staff is what has his magic. Anyway, point is they're grappling over this magic staff and Aladdin can't get it and Jafar can't get it and I think Jafar's about to cast a spell or something or he's stupid and he's just grappling but Aladdin just straight up headbutts him. Yeah. I'm like, that one's fair. But yeah, there are so many times where he does magic stuff and it's just not consistent and so I wish that was more consistent because it's like oh he's so scary and will do black magic and is crazy and blah 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 but he's stupid so we can just you know do a couple cool kick flips and then be done with it. Yeah well I also think too highlighting the difference book Jafar and movie Jafar right watching Aladdin the movie this morning movie Jafar he wanted Jasmine to fall in love with him just to basically to get back in her in spite like haha watch do actually do this. In the book, they were really pushing that he just wanted love and attention. It was actually very creepy. It really was, but I thought that part of it, I don't want to say more relatable, but the movie, it was just power for power's sake. And the book, it was a 
that attention because part of me was like, why didn't they end up doing a third wish? Like the divergence of the third wish. I mean, it was pretty cool, but at the same time, it highlighted because he didn't necessarily want power for power's sake. He wanted power to get the ultimate love and adoration from people. So he didn't necessarily have to become a genie to do that. Yeah, but I counter that with, I don't necessarily like every time that they take a... I'm a super evil bad villain and then try to make them sympathetic. No, I don't think it was sympathetic, just relatable. I feel like they tried to give him a sympathetic backstory and were like, sympathize. Because I think Aladdin does at one point. He's like, wow, I was alone too, blah, 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 blah. But I don't know. Sometimes it's just fun to have an evil villain. Agreed. And he was stupid. Yeah. Because teenagers needed to defeat him. And that was dumb. Just make the teenagers super awesome. It is. Ah. <laughs> yeah. But let's go back. Because we're at the end. And that's the most recent thing we read, so of course that's what we want to talk about. But yeah, so Aladdin gets taken to the Cave of Seekers per usual. Okay, that's another thing to talk about. Jafar's disguised self, he doesn't even cast magic. They make a point of being like, oh, he was wearing a disguise. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's accurate to the movie, though. I laughed so hard, I never really caught it before. He literally, in the movie, just rips off this wig and you can see that it's him underneath it. I'm like, dang, they really just did that. Yeah, but it's one of the cartoon things where cartoons can change their height and it's stupid. Yeah. But you just go with it because it's a cartoon and cartoon logic. But in the book, I was like, wait a second. What is happening right now? Why is that not used more? His amazing skills at disguising himself. Doesn't really need it eventually. True, but man, this is an interesting talent that you have that does not get played up enough. Fair. But yeah, he disguises himself as an old man. Aladdin doesn't question that this other prisoner isn't in a prison. Aladdin's putting on his dumb cap today. Oh yeah. Again, consistent with the movie. And so they go to the Cave of Secrets and whatever. And I actually liked Abu less in the book than I did the movie. Oh yeah? Okay, so in the movie he's adorable and personified and does cute things. But in the book he just keeps screwing up. And making things worse. But he does the exact same thing in the book and the movies. I know. But just because you don't have an actual eye on him. There's things you can do in the movies that take two seconds, like giving Abu facial expressions. Exactly. Things that you can do in a visual media you can't do in a book format. And it's just, dang it, Abu, you're messing everything up. You just wrecked everything. Just like they were about to get away from the fruit salesman and then Abu was like, hey, let me steal fruit. Actually, now that I think about it, there's no moment where Abu gets to shine. No, it's so funny because in the end, right, he intentionally keeps Abu away from the big fight. And he claims it's because he couldn't imagine if anything happened to him. But it's like, no, fam, you kept him away because he would have ended up screwing this entire mission and Jafar would have killed everybody if he was there. <laughs> I feel like the author didn't want to think about how to use the monkey. Yeah. There are so many times where they just separate for no reasons whatsoever. And it just feels like the author's like, okay, too much magic, too much help. Let's just separate all of you. Yep. But he goes to the Cave of Wonders and, you know, the whole, like, don't touch anything. And he touches a magic carpet and that doesn't count. Yeah, that's a plot hole I always thought about from the actual movie. Yeah. Don't touch anything and then you're riding on a carpet. Come on. Yeah, 
like even talks about it. He's like, oh, there's a carpet. And he pets it. And I'm like, this doesn't count. But no, it doesn't count. It's, so it's fine. I also kind of like a little bit to jump back slight. I kind of like the ambiguity of why Aladdin got arrested. Because Jasmine thinks it's because they were hanging out together. Aladdin thinks it's because he stole stuff. And neither of them realize that it's Jafar being terrible until much later. But I kind of liked the ambiguity there. That was good. Yeah, in the movie, they're like, they're here for me. They're here for you. Them saying the exact same line at the same time. So <laughs> so Aladdin does find the lamp. Mm-hmm. Gosh dang it, cover. <laughs> but he finds the lamp. The whole Abu takes a jewel from a monkey statue and then everything goes to pot and they're trying to leave and Aladdin's like hey help me and then Jafar's like well give me the lamp and I'll help you and so he gives him the lamp and instead of it what does it do fall back down in the movie no I think it's because Abu goes on he bites the his arm to keep him from killing Aladdin ah. in that moment he grabs it when they fall back down see Abu's awesome in the movie <laughs> so yeah instead of keeping it Jafar at that point gets the lamp and then Aladdin's trapped in the cave I don't know I understood that they had to keep going but I think it's very like you said the suspension of disbelief of him digging his way out of a cave for three days because that's not how sand works sand just envelops you you wouldn't know up or down right or left no it doesn't really make sense but whatever also it's a magic cave and a stone panther i can talk about this in a speculative fiction setting thanks to husband dearest okay when you have magic or unruly science in science fiction there's something called verisimilitude it's a german word so so it's fun. So essentially, for us to be able to accept craziness, there needs to be verisimilitude, which is the appearance of something being true or real. So how do you do that in a fantasy or sci-fi setting? You create rules for your magic. And so Edgar Allan Poe writes a book about a man who uses a hot air balloon to get to the moon. Okay. And reading it nowadays is really cringy. But the point is, he goes out of his way to adopt rules on how he can do it. And so you can have that suspension of disbelief and be like, okay, this is how hot air balloons can get to the moon. And you see it in every series. If there's a magic system, there's how the magic works. There's the drawbacks of the magic, like stamina, or I can only conjure one element, or there's something there. Okay, yeah. And I don't feel like the book's very good at it. Mm -mm. At setting magic rules and sticking to them. No, I agree. Because one thing I pointed out, and I only made this connection after watching the movie, was Jafar was still using the genie's magic without making wishes. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. The parade that he does, throwing things like the coins and the bread. But in the movie, right, Aladdin does that once, but the implication is the genie was tricked into it. And afterwards, he's like, absolutely not. You have to make a wish, even to the point where he forces the pass out Aladdin to make a wish to save his life. But in this, you're letting the genie just use his magic how and why I think there was a little clip later where the genie was like at this point I'm able to do it or like I won't tell him anything unless he forces me to use his third wish but he already did the damage yeah it doesn't make sense because take for example Aladdin wishes to be a prince and genie goes all out on it he creates a parade he does da 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 it makes sense because one it goes with the wish and genie is that extra but it doesn't make sense sense 
for him to be able to have Jeannie make Jasmine a wedding dress and conjure a parade and conjure food and gold. And then they make stuff out of nothing. But later in the book, they're like, oh, we can't do that anymore. Yeah, we can't do that forever. Why could you do it in the first place? Mm -hmm. It really did bother me that Jafar could just use Jeannie's magic and not make a wish. Agreed. Because it's not like, hey, we're besties like Aladdin and Jeannie were. And Jeannie's like, I can use a little bit of my magic here. I like you, kid. Yeah, flair. Yeah, it's not that because he doesn't like Jafar. Exactly. He actively talks about how he doesn't like him. That was another thing where I was like, I don't like this. Also, they just casually drop. He's like, I got information out of Jeannie because I tortured it. And I'm like, how? I want information. How in the world could you possibly take this insanely powerful magic being and do literally anything to him against his will? And later on, he's like, oh, he's tied to a bed of nails. Yeah. How? Apparently that's how you torture a genie? What? He can turn into smoke. Yeah. What is going on? No one's like, oh, we found magical hand ties that keep him stranded. No, no. Just hundreds of nails pinning his body down or something. Genie is weak to iron. What are nails made out of? Apparently he's a ghost. It doesn't make sense because cartoons get away with this all the time. And there are definitely cartoonish moments in the book, but this is a YA book. Yeah. We need some verisimilitude here. What is going on? Why is this happening? Why can sometimes Jafar command an entire army of people that are enchanted and then sometimes he can't even concentrate on exploding furniture? Yeah, that's fair. And I think part of that is to highlight the difference between the genie and his power. Again, which is why I thought they were leading up to actually doing the same third wish as they did in the movie, but they didn't. Which is, I want more power. Exactly. But what I did find interesting was how they talked about how strange the power looked. Like if you actually looked beyond how cool it was. So the peacekeeping patrols and how Aladdin was like, these people don't actually have faces, you know? Because when I went to watch the movie again, I noticed specifically in the Prince Ali parade, all of them are basically drawn the exact same. Yeah. The men, one row has mustaches, the next doesn't. And that's how it is. And so I thought that was interesting how they highlighted if you let the genie's magic stick around, how you kind of see through it and you see the reality of it. Yeah. Which, once again, you can get away with in the cartoon. Uh But I appreciate that as well. Just pointing out, but the best magic ever. That's what I'm stuck on. Yeah. And there are so many things he does where it's like, oh, well, I can't kill people. I can't bring them back from the dead and I can't make them love you per the movie. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, that would break magic. I'm going to find an old book and do it anyway. Yeah. He could have wished for the book to be there. Yeah, but that's a waste of a wish though when you know you can send people to do it yourself. But why? They could have solved so much if they did this. He's already the most powerful person ever, magic-wise, supposedly. Even though Genie is the one doing all the magic, don't get me started. And then if he uses third wish to get the book, and then he can do all the things that Genie can't do. Yeah. There you go. But no, he ends up using his magic witch on something else. And we'll talk about that. So Jasmine, I go back and forth on. Yeah, I agree. Because sometimes she's really cool. And then sometimes she's the biggest idiot on the planet. Yeah. She's walking around poor, legitimate ghetto. Houses are crumbling. People live in ruins everything is dark and disgusting with her royal crown on. Yeah. Even when she becomes a fugitive. Yeah. My initial argument was going to be, well, she's still learning the ways of the world and she gets better at adapting and all that kind of stuff. But then 
there's that other scene later where this exact same thing happens. She doesn't. And she's a fugitive. She's handing out bread to people to try to get goodwill or whatever. And so she steps outside the house and puts her hood down. But it was just a plot device to get information. And I was mad because she was with Morgiana. Yeah. And Morgiana wasn't immediately like, put that bag on. Nope. We're just going to have her hood down because we need a reason for a spy of Jafar to recognize her. Mm-hmm. To get this information. But we can't kill him because killing's bad, except for the times that we do it. Yep. That was another thing that really frustrated me. What side are we on? Are we doing a war or are we not killing anyone? Pick your battles. Yeah. But it's also highlighting the naivete of a young leader like that and someone who doesn't actually know what's going on. Like you said, she was incredibly sheltered. And I mean, it's one of those things where like, okay, so seeing the things spurns you into doing the right thing. And she's not so, I don't want to say pigheaded, but she's not so stubborn that she thinks that she can do it herself. At the end, she's all willing to bring on people who know the life better than she does. I mean, she's willing to listen and take advice. And that's where she's a great character. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Especially when you just kind of think of the actual Jasmine, either, honestly, the animated or the live action, they were both great. She's a really good leader at portions. The only time I got mad at her when she was a leader is when she was talking to the general and somebody came and was injured. And this is the walking dead, apparently. Yeah. And if somebody dies, they turn into a zombie. Yeah. But sometimes they can corral the zombies and convince them that they're people. And then sometimes they have to kill them. I don't know. That's another thing that did not make sense. Yeah, that was weird because she had to witness the death herself. But I mean, again, that's another plot device. The ruler thinks that they understand war and blah, blah, blah. But you realize war, what you read in books and actual war are different. And when you start seeing the casualties. Yeah, I meant more when they were like, oh, let's do plans. And then the widow. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That scene actually bothered me. Yeah, I saw your comments with that. I do agree that it does just kind of feel like that feminist fan service. But let's explain what happens real quick. Oh, yeah. So they're all like, what are we gonna do? And then it's that typical scene of, well, we can do this. Well, we can do this. Well, we can do this. Oh, no, but we can't do this. And then the widow, Bulbahar, I do not know if I'm pronouncing that right. Anyway, the widow that I'm pretty sure owns the harem, they don't ever quite say, but she comes in and she's like, hey, me and my ladies can help out. And then one of the dudes is like, how can women help? And I'm like, your rebellion is led by a woman and the original army the street rats has a bunch of girls this is a dumb comment very but no we had to have our avengers end game women can do it pans to all the women i hated that too anyway oh i love that that's where we diverge i hated that because it wasn't natural it was just like hey guys women yeah who cares it still was there and it was still really inspiring to see you guys want women right it's just oh it felt unnatural anyway it would have been cool if it was like women can do it and it was just a bunch of scenes of them actually doing the thing because they don't actually get that far when they start doing actions but the point is she comes in and she's like you know how we can help and she brings out this kid who died and so now he's a zombie and she's like we can convince them that they need to not be evil and you know nothing works better than a mother doing that and they're all like yeah totally so it's supposed to be this thing where it's like oh we don't actually have to kill the zombies we can just be like hey stop being stupid but then they kill the zombies (laughs) it's establishing that there are some people who can be reached it's just a plot device 
sacrifice for something that they're setting up for later. Yeah. That the ghouls can be reached and that is setting up the interaction with Aladdin and Rasul later. And again, their whole goal, even though Aladdin and Jasmine didn't agree on the book, their whole goal was to get the lamp and have the genie undo everything. Ergo, I don't think they would be ghouls anymore. Yeah. But that obviously went to crap and these people ended up dying anyway. Yeah. That was the one thing because they made a big deal about corralling the dead and then it's like, okay, Jasmine, kill somebody. Why? Well, but she wasn't killing them. She was making it to where they wouldn't be resurrected. Exactly. By killing them. She had to behead him. Like, this was like a small deal. That was the point of the whole, we can corral them and then not until Rizul pops up later. Fair. That was the one thing I was like, what is happening here? But anyway, what bothered me about her leadership, so that whole happens and so she gets this taste or whatever of, oh my gosh, people are dying. And the general is like, what do you think war is? And that only bothers me because real life the rich people can send people to war and face none of the consequences yeah and that's kind of what she did is she started a war and then during the war is like people can get hurt i'm going to throw you out a window yeah and she'd already seen the consequences too because we just established she had seen the baby ghoul we had just established that the family had gotten kidnapped and were being held we know the consequences but yet you're still shocked and she has this whole moment where she's like, oh my gosh, most of my army is children. I really wish they had played with that more. Because she just had this moment of, oh my gosh, they're children. Bye, children. Yep. Uh, there were so many deeper topics that I felt like if the author had focused on one of them, could have been really good. But she was all over the place a little bit. So yeah, Jasmine can be really kick butt and awesome. And I really do like Morgiana. Yeah. She was very cool. And Morgiana and Jasmine actually have conversations that aren't about boys. We have passed the test. <laughs> and so they are really cool. That's why extra a part of me is like, why did we do feminine fan service? Yeah, because it was already there. It's already there. You don't need to have this unnatural, what can women do? Yeah. Just have them do it. It's fine, guys. You would never, ever, ever, ever have a part in a book where a bunch of women are making plans and they, a guy steps up and they're like, but what can men do? Yeah. That would never happen. Why do we need to do it in reverse? Especially when it's not relevant. They don't actually do anything. They don't corral the undead. Well, I mean, you don't see it happen. It implies that it does happen. I thought they were going to be awesome. I thought she was going to hit him with a frying pan and be like, shut up. <laughs> and then they all have their household weapons. Because the house has a lot of weapons. Oh, yeah. If you're willing to use them, right? I did like we're mothers. And there could have been some interesting stuff between like the guards and their mom. Mm -hmm. And the mom being like, what are you doing? Yeah, why? But we never see it. Most we hear about is there's explosions and Raja goes out, but we don't see any of the fighting. And so it's actually kind of a letdown because that would have been really cool. Yeah, I mean, I think when Jasmine does finally show up, the guards are like, yeah, she's telling the truth. The majority of their army is women and children and a lot of us are uncomfortable. We don't want to fight the women and children kind of thing. So again, without actually putting you right in the middle of it, you get the 
information. Yeah, it's just, that would have been cool. But we have to focus on sneaking through the palace and describing it in great detail. Which I didn't mind. They sneak through the palace three times? I think three, yeah. I enjoyed those sections. Yeah. Those were actually pretty good. So I'm not mad about it. I was just, where could we have cut a chapter so somebody could have seen the action in the streets? So we have an idea of, are we winning? Are we losing? How do people feel? Because it just kind of gets thrown into the background. Like, oh yeah, there's a war going on out there. Anyway, but I do like the sneaking around sections. I think those are done really well. Agreed. I mean, you have to. You're writing a book about Aladdin. He is the rogue slash thief. You have to have good sneaking. True. Just because you had the scenes doesn't mean they had to be good. Fair, fair. I would have hoped they would be good, but that doesn't always translate. True. I don't know what Disney was focusing on in their edits, so who knows? Because they are known for being quite taskmasters. So they creep through it several times. The second time, Razul straight up dies, and I was not expecting that. Yeah. Because there's a scene where it's like, oh, we have Jasmine, we must escape the castle. And they want to grab Genie, but Aladdin's like, no, we got to get out of here. And so they run into Razul and some guards. And to me, I was like, okay, I'm just waiting for Razul to betray Jafar and join the team. But no. Nope. Dies. He gets crushed by a pillar. Yep. Along with the carpet. Yeah, that was sad. I, I didn't understand why they had to leave the carpet behind. I think it was part of the carpet was doing things to save them and then just got trapped. And then with Russia, obviously you can't bring a huge tiger along sneaking on the roof. Yeah, but okay. So this is the only thing that got me. It made it seem like, hey, the carpet couldn't come because I think it gets one or two of the tassels cut off and then it's flying janky. But earlier in the book, we established that Aladdin can roll up the carpet and just carry it on his shoulder. Yeah. Why couldn't he have done that? I don't think they could, he could get to them. So they climb these columns to get Bob on the roof and then Razul dies and then it cuts to like 20 minutes later when they're about to leave the palace area altogether and they're just like, oh, we couldn't bring magic carpet and Raja. That sucks. And it doesn't really go into detail about it and I'm just confused. <laughs> but also I wouldn't have left my tiger. I know, I know they couldn't have made the jump if Raja was with them, but I wouldn't have left my tiger. <laughs> the tiger had started hurting others and I think, didn't he get hurt or something? Yeah, he gets hurt. And then I think the implication was, I mean, it's a tiger. He can bound and leap out of that castle pretty easy. And that's the implication of what he does because he shows back up in the streets later. Yeah. They don't necessarily need to take him. But yeah, I just checked it with the carpet. Aladdin had told the carpet to get Rasul out of the way and because he was injured, yeah, he actually got tangled up in Rasul. They both got crushed. So that's why he couldn't get him. Oh, okay. Yeah, but at the time, they didn't know that Rasha could get out of the castle. Th that's all I'm saying. We go out of our way to say Abu, but Jasmine's like, Raja sucks. Abu the dumb monkey. I was actually surprised later on when Raja showed up. I was so worried they were going to kill him. Yeah, and not talk about him again. That's something that Critical Role actually did in their animated series. One of the characters canonically had this armored bear that she just took around everywhere. And they're like, nope, this is too much. We're not going to deal. In the role playing, it was fine. But when they made it and animated, they're like, nah, that's too OP. It doesn't make any sense because you could use the bear in places where we're not going to. So they just leave him behind. And I feel like that's what they did with Raja. I'm just saying. At this point, I think they know that Jafar killed Iago. Fair. I wouldn't have left one of my dogs. I don't know why she left her tiger. Anyway. After all of that, she's still wearing her crown. She's already wearing way too much jewelry. And the first time, yeah, okay, fine. That makes sense. But even she must understand she's going to be the only person wearing 
wearing a crown. Yeah. Oh, honey. There's being naive and sheltered and there's being dumb. Yeah, but also, you know, you can say the things that you forget to do in the heat of getting everything done. You're not going to immediately think I'm running across rooftops like, oh, I should ditch my crown when you're running for your life. Yeah, but the fact she's wearing it later. Uh, she's, ah. <laughs> I will give her one pass. But she still does it a second time. So, you know, what can you do? Then there's three chapters where they're trying to steal stuff for different caravans. And they try to seem humane about it. Because they're like, oh, let's knock out the guards. But let's draw symbols on it so it looks like they were enchanted by a rival sorcerer. And that way, Jafar won't kill them for being incompetent. Yeah. I don't know why they thought that. Thought what? Thought that Jafar wouldn't kill them for being incompetent even if they got charmed by a rival sorcerer. Because this is after the point where Aladdin sees in the square this dude, okay, this is one of the really demented scenes a little bit. Decapitate someone by owl heading them, spinning their head around. Oh, yeah. And all that guy did was not be helpful enough. He wasn't hiding information. He didn't know anything. And Jafar was like, meh, I am going to kill you. So I don't know why they were like, Jafar won't kill them. Yeah, well, the first wagon was before that but yeah I mean you're right they keep trying to do all that stuff and I don't know it's just an attempt you know maybe the last attempt at appealing to his humanity because at the end of the day they didn't want to kill or at least Aladdin didn't want to kill Jafar because that's not what you should be doing they're trying they're making an effort also no one would worry that he's be freaking out because there's a rival sorcerer he was just gonna let that pass well that's why he ended up shutting down all the bookshops and the libraries and everything no you ain't gonna come up against me there's apparently guilds of magic people. We kind of glossed that over. I think it was alchemists. So there were alchemists and then there were people that studied magic stuff. They really gloss over the guild system. I have more questions. Fair. But they're there. That happens. Yeah. Anyway, so they do a bunch of caravans. It's not working out. Genie sneaks out to talk to Jasmine over tea, which I love that. That feels like something their friendship would do, but Aladdin and Genie wouldn't do. So I did appreciate that. Yeah. To kind of play with how their relationship is different. Yeah, it was cute. But Genie's like, oh, it's coming in this boat caravan and, and they'll be here in three days. And they're like, awesome. So we have three days. And that's when the whole passing out food, Jasmine takes off her hood. They find out that Jafar is branding people to make them pure. That is the word that is used. Yeah, that was really weird. For whatever reason, this makes them realize that they need to go on the offense. I don't know why they haven't been thinking they need to be on the offense, considering they're the ones hiding, but it's all good. This has sprung them into action, so they're gonna do stuff. And they're gonna get Jasmine on the throne. Yeah, that was always the goal. And then it just cuts to the caravan. And they're like, okay, let's get the book now, which is very obviously a trap, but it's okay. Yeah, but part of me wonders at what point the genie had been turned, because he obviously fed her information that was false, so either Jafar fed him false information, or he was intentionally sabotaging based on Jafar's orders. I think Jafar says he found out about it afterward. Genie goes, and he has tea with her, and then coming back into the palace, Jafar's like, wait a second, where did you go? Oh, that's right, that's right, yeah, you're right. And so then the torture, which I still have so many questions about. So many questions. And also the really creepy cutting up the carpet scene. That was weird. Oh yeah, that was weird. I had to go back and forth on whether or not to add a content warning for torture because that was really... Implied torture. Yeah, it's a magic carpet, but it was... Yeah, the whole tension and yeah, having a really hard time cutting through the cloth and everything. Yeah, that was bad. And having the carpet react to everything. Yeah. Ooh, it was not my favorite. 
favorite chapter. And that was my example. It got really randomly dark. Yeah, that was them using it, right? That's where you find out that he's killed Iago because that's where you're like, there was no one there. Well, you found out that he killed Iago like immediately because they're like, what happened to your bird? And Jafar's like, my bird? And then he has red feathers that he's using in his potion or some sort of something from him. Oh, I didn't even pick up on that. That's funny. Oh, what is it? He uses, it's the first chapter that he's introduced in. Oh, I thought they were just lying that he was just crazy. It was the very beginning of the book. Anyway, he was using forbidden magic of seeing beyond. I think it's supposed to be seeing the future. Um, the cost of knowledge, was that it? And he commands Razul to bring him Aladdin. And Razul's like, where's your bird? And before Razul comes in, they list ingredients and something of it is parrot related. And we're like, hmm, that's weird. And then Razul's straight up like, where's your bird? And Jafar's like, oh, he's somewhere. And I'm like, oh, okay. Guess we're not having Iago in this book. Oh, yeah, yeah. Scraps of wispy things, torn bloody feathers. Yeah, he was annoying though in the movie. He was. But it sounded like when they talked about how he was, it wouldn't have been like it was in the movie with Godfrey doing the voice. Yeah, it was more like he was an embarrassment to Jafar. So there's that. And then there's the carpet scene. But he's too stupid to cast old person. That's kind of where I I get frustrated because the tonal shifts on how am I supposed to take him? Is he supposed to be this scary sorcerer who will do anything to get dark magic? Or is he a bumbling idiot with abandonment issues? Both. I think that's ultimately why he fails so much with the magic. It's just because he he lets his natural instincts take over and those are not accurate or real. Yeah. And I'm like, how did you become a grand vizier if you suck at thinking? Fair. I mean, I know the Sultan wasn't a good Sultan, but have something to the table. It actually doesn't talk about that either. He's like, I was once poor and then I worked my way up. How? Yeah, no, it doesn't. We don't really get that. Did you start in the mail room? (laughs) What does that mean? Again, something they could have touched on and done so much more with. Yeah, because they bring up several times, oh, his parents didn't even want him. He was an orphan. Ba-da-da-da-da. Yeah, sold to the slave. We could have had that fourth heart-to-heart moment. Yep. No, please. I'm glad they did it. <laughs> but still, they could have played on that. So they raised this army, and I'm all for marketing because they create a symbol. I'm not for them being stupid and painting it outside of the hideouts. Those are the moments you're like, yep, this is a gang of teenagers because I love it the adult that comes into the situation is like well how did you know where to find us and he just points to the mark that's desperately close to their hideout to the wall next to them wasn't really that hard y'all oh yeah and then they're like how did Jafar ever find yeah oh my gosh uh cause you're dumb yeah he should have had several hideouts at that point honestly but anyway besides the point the big idea is they're gonna have a war to distract Jafar while Aladdin, Morgiana, and Durban? Durban. Durban, yeah, that's how I was pronouncing it. Sorry, my brain added an R in there for some reason. Are gonna go in and they're gonna grab the lamp, yep. the evil book, and then they're going to save Duban's family because they have been kidnapped and put into an hourglass. I was expecting it to be Jasmine. I know that this is the twisted tale and it's not supposed to, but that's still what happens in the movie and I could still see it happening, but it's Duban's family instead. Yeah. So they're gonna go and be cool and whatever. And that's where you get the acrobatics, really simple acrobatics versus the strongest magician in the world. (laughs) Uh, Alas. And there's one point I seriously 
put, I don't know, it's a cartoon. Because he creates scales to go over the hourglass so they can't break the hourglass. Yeah. And then they have two fire effigies for Dubon and Aladdin. And Dubon's is shaped like his niece. Which is, there's the evil genius. Good. But, and I don't know why. Because Jafar has met Abu. But instead of conjuring Abu, he conjures a baboon. Yeah, but it wasn't quite accurate. And I don't understand. And Aladdin's like, ha ha, you've never seen him. He has. He took you to the Cave of Wonders. Yeah, and you had Abu with you at the Cave of Wonders. And in the dungeon. But okay, Jafar, you dumb idiot. Ha ha. <laughs> and so, to fight these two fire beings, Aladdin takes a random rug. Not a fire blanket, because those are different. But he just takes a random rug and smothers it. Yeah, because a blanket can cut off oxygen well. And not catch on fire. It's not flammable at all, guys. And Dubon has two swords. And he rotates them around so they're a fan and it blows the effigy away. Yeah, that was weird. That had cartoon energy. Yeah, that was just very much cartoon energy. And then you could even tell he was like, give me your other sword, Morgiana. And then she reluctantly was like, I'm literally using this to save your family. But okay, no, I'm going to make spinning blades happen so fast that it's going to blow this thing away. And instead of it going somewhere, you know, like on the many, many flammable things in this room, it just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, it blows it out of existence. Okay. <laughs> yep. Again, magic when it works, magic when it doesn't. So they're allowed to do that, but Morgiana has to lose all feeling in her right arm because magic tree. Yeah, the vines. The tonal shift is all I'm saying. Yeah, pick a lane. Am I supposed to take this seriously? Am I supposed to treat this like a cartoon? What is happening? Yep, agreed. And this is the part where they're fighting over the staff, which once again, I don't understand why the staff is relevant because he's the most magical being, not his staff anyway if that's beside the point it's the staff channeling magic but yeah so that's when he headbutts him he manages to get the staff throws it to jasmine jasmine i don't know what aladdin was expecting jasmine i think they were trying to break the staff but instead jasmine uses it to cast a spell on jafar and she cast hold person you know like a sane being and she's like well i'm going to kill him for all he's done and then aladdin's like no we can't kill him we need to have a trial. And I get it, Phoenix Wright. I really <laughs> do. I understand. But he is the most powerful being in existence. He has committed treason and murder and dark magic. But you want to throw him in the cell for a week so you can have a trial? <laughs> yeah. Well, and again, their plan for the genie, they could have stripped him of all of his magic. And I mean, the genie realistically could have held him very easily. But he's strapped to a bed of nails so he can't help. He would have been able to help if their plan had gone according. Their logic is in accordance what they wanted to do with what their goal was. Durbin coming in and messing it up, allowing him to get that other wish. That was such a cop out. Yeah. Okay. Jasmine's like, you're right. I won't kill him. And then Dubon grabs the book. He's like, but I will. And so he kills him instead. That way, Dubin is the bad guy, not Jasmine. Like, that was such a cop out. But I will. I see that. That 
was ah. And then it doesn't kill him all at once. It's like this essence sucking thing. I thought it was basically just like choking him out so he couldn't breathe. Yeah, exactly. But he can still make a wish. It's beside the point. Yeah. I actually really like his third wish. It was an interesting twist. But it also doesn't make sense. So he wishes that when he dies, all magic dies with him. How is that not against the rules of magic? Genie is over here like, I can't make people fall in love with you or I can't murder people, but get rid of all magic ever? Yep. Yeah. What? Again, with the whole word that you said earlier. Versimilitude. You established three rules of magic and that was it. Therefore, anything is fair game, except for those three rules. Except if you have this book, then it's not against magic. I <laughs> pick a lane. But yeah, so this is somehow not against the rules of magic. We can totally get rid of all magic ever. So they do. Yeah, apparently. And that's the ending of the book. They get rid of all magic ever. I know. And it was just such an interesting difference. If you don't read the epilogue, you're just kind of like a deflated balloon. You're just like, what? This is the end? I don't know. I was kind of a deflated balloon even with the epilogue. I mean, at least it gave you some hope. But Genie's all pissed off. He's like, I'm not who I am anymore. Yeah, he becomes human. They don't kill him. They just turn him into a human with slightly blue tinted skin. Yeah, he just becomes a human with no magic and he's super salty about it. I mean, which I get because there's a difference between being free still with your genie powers versus being reduced to a human. Because before that, he was a magical being. He has always, always, always been a magical being. Yep. So yeah, I would be pissed too. It really is like suddenly being turned into a frog and you're like, what the heck? Yeah, how am I supposed to cope with this? How am I supposed to do what I wanted to do without the things that I've always known? I had opposable thumbs and I was bigger than three inches. Yeah, so I don't know. It was, but I mean, part of me likes that sometimes with books because with Disney, we've always learned in this, you know, there's always a happy ending everything works out the way it was. And that was a point that I wanted to kind of make is that a lot of times when you do these kind of twisted or, oh, well, here's the different divergence in the timelines. The point is to show this is destiny. And so we're always going to get back to the same point, even if the way we got there is different. Aladdin and Jasmine are always going to defeat Jafar. They're always going to be together and you rebuild Agrabah in the way it was supposed to be, whatever. But this ending didn't quite give you all the good feelings. And sometimes I really like that. It's just because it's like, yeah, it doesn't always work out perfectly. It doesn't always happen the way you thought it was going to, but yet you still have to figure out how to go forward. They had planned the entire time to just have Genie undo everything Jafar did, and now they have to figure out how to get Agrabah back without that magic. Yeah, but I don't know. It still was a happy ending. They just had two miserable characters to be like, oh, not everyone was happy, but it's these two side characters and not any of our main characters. <laughs> main characters are fine because I actually count Morgiana as more of a main character than Duban. I agree. Because he is so glanced over. So it just felt like a cop out to be like, oh, Genie and Duban, you know, these two characters that you totally know, but aren't important enough. But everyone else is fine. The children get the toys. They burn the book. Morgiana's the Grand Vizier. Jasmine's the Queen. She's going to marry Aladdin and they're going to rebuild the city. Oh, well, yeah. I was saying if you don't read the epilogue, technically where the book ends, it's not in that perfect place. Oh, yeah. Now, the epilogue does come in and tie it up and you're like, cool. And I agree. That's where you get all that resolution. But it was just kind of well, okay, that happened. Yeah. You don't have magic now. Nope. And I think the difference a little bit is I don't care what happens next. There are some books where it could have ended and been like, oh, what's going to happen to all the characters after this book? And it's fun to think about and stuff. And nope. 
I'm kind of curious how Jeannie and Dubon do because they're both like, we're just going to run away from all our problems. Yeah, give me that spinoff. And be miserable. That also sounds like a miserable time. So <laughs> it's interesting. But yeah, everything's kind of tied up with a bow because Disney. Yep. Still at the end of the day, Disney, even with a twisted tail. So the twist on it. Yeah. And it, like I said, none of the more interesting stuff, I think, came back around. Yeah. Like the fact that they had a army of children or the fact that the sultans have been ignoring the poor people. You can't tell me that they're not going to build the rich places first. Well, and I think, again, at the end of the day, that's why this is a YA novel. You're highlighting your teen heroes who are able to save the day and instill that hope. But the deeper thinking points are kind of left to the adults who are like, mm, no, I want more. I like what you did. Your outline, your story, your thoughts are very interesting, but just flesh it out, please. Just a little bit more. Give me more, you know? Consistency. Yeah. So yeah. That's basically the whole book. That's the book. Yeah. Overall, I mean, it definitely had, I think, its ups and downs, but I do like the depths of character they added where they could, like Jafar and everything, or Rasul. Yeah. Because that's just stuff you don't have time for in a 90-minute Disney movie. Yeah. I wish they had done a little bit more on the romance, because I think they do a good job of having building blocks, and like, first meeting's really cute, and Jasmine playing along with him, and them, like, figuring each other out. Like, that was really good, but then after that, it was just assumed that they were a thing. So there was no more building blocks. It was just like, oh, they're totally into each other. Deeply devoted. Yeah, they had the moment when they had their first kiss and after it was like, yeah, cool. Everything's good. Yep, we are deeply devoted. No other romance needed. Also, they kept fighting and instead of resolving the fight, they're just like, we'll figure this out later. Yeah. Back to kissing, which is very teenage, but it does not work. Yeah, no, but it's one of those things we're literally on the eve of war. We're obviously not going to resolve all this in a conflict right now. Except they needed to because it was about the book because Jasmine wanted to use the book against Jafar and Aladdin was like, no, we need to burn it immediately. And they were like, well, we'll resolve this after the war. I'm like, no, she wants to use it in the war. You need to come to a decision about this. But they're like, no, it's more important that we kiss and have good times. And I'm like, mm, no. Yeah, but priorities, like you said, the night before you think you might die. So And it's all good because it never comes up. Jasmine just tries to use the staff instead of the book. Okay, yes, it works out. Don't have to actually have communication skills. <laughs> yeah. I will say it made me want to watch the movie, which I feel like is the actual goal. Yeah, I agree. As the cynical marketing person, I think the entire goal of the book was to make you want to think about the movie. Yeah, it gave you enough to be like, oh yeah, I haven't watched this in so long. It's a golden era classic. It's good and two something I don't know if the live action I don't remember how early they announced the live action one because the live action one came out four years after this was published so I'm not sure so maybe just a little bit of hype going into it I don't know because they have so many for people that don't know the book world as well as I now know, because I've done my research now, Disney has so many spinoffs of their classic movies trying desperately to remind you, you love these movies. We swear. Oh, yeah. Are you bored of watching the movie? Here it is with a twist. But actually, go watch the movie and buy our merchandise. Yeah, because it's all owned by Disney anyway. So even if you're like, oh, let me see the alternative thing, you're still profiting in the end. Yeah. And so that's all I can think of when I see the live action 
Legends, these books, there's a villain series, all the Disney villains, and then there's a children's series, kind of like Goosebumps, but it's Disney villains again. Oh, nice. Villains are apparently very popular, very in. Yeah. And then you, of course, this is a couple of years old, but you had the Descendants books, which turned into the movies, which were extremely popular. And a TV show now, I think. And an animated movie and all these things. It's just a way to repackage. And a lot of people like that, repackaging what you already know, but making it a little bit different. To consider it a different thing. To consider it a different thing. And at the end of the day, it's all to get you to buy merchandise. But we do. Remember, you love Aladdin, but you haven't seen it since you were like eight. Here you go. Here's a book. We've aged it up for 16 year olds. So it's totally not a baby movie. Well, and two, maybe it was to some extent, because this is something I've noticed as I've gotten older, that the younger kid, rather, I'll just say basically kids born after 2000, they grew up with a different generation of princesses and Disney stories. So when I ask a group of children, who's your favorite princess? And they tell me Anna and Elsa, it's just like a dagger to my heart because they don't know anything before Anna and Elsa or even mid 2000s, like Brave or or whatever. And so this is a way to kind of get that generation now and like look at the older movies. I mean, because the second book in this series is Sleeping Beauty. Unless you actively watched Maleficent, you don't even really know who Sleeping Beauty was in that movie. Because realistically, I adore Sleeping Beauty, but for modern day cinema, it's boring, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So my husband and I have also talked about this because we recently talked about this with the Star Wars franchise. And why it feels like in a lot of ways, episode seven, eight, nine was not as successful. My as successful as in critical praise. Yeah. So why those three weren't as successful beside the whole shuffling directors around, which was a terrible idea, versus Mandalorian or Kenobi or any of their TV shows is space operas in the format that they are, are not as popular anymore because in a lot of ways they've fallen out of favor. People don't want the obvious good guy, obvious bad guy division of everything. They want gray characters. And he was reading a book talking about how the modern space opera is gray, kind of. And so you kind of see them trying to do it with eight because they got a writer who's a little bit more Mm postmodern. And then they were like, crap, no, we can't do that. The fans hate it. Go back. But you can see it in Mandalorian where Mando's more of a gray character. And so you see how these TV shows have taken the current day tropes because gray characters existed in the 20th century, but they were not nearly as popular as they are now. It's almost expected now. If you have someone that's way too good, it's because they're cheating on their wife or they're a terrorist person behind doors. You don't have the same thing. So that's kind of what this felt like. A little bit. Yeah, I agree. They were trying to add grayness to it, to a new audience, but they gotta have the good guys, gotta have the bad guys, because this is technically a 90s story. Yeah, exactly. It's way more black and white. So that's why I'm interested to see some of the other books, you know, because they made an Anna and Elsa, they did a Rapunzel. I think the newest one that's going to come out is Tiana, Princess and the Frog. Which I'm excited about. I love. I know, she's your favorite. So I'm kind of excited to see then what the twists on the more modern stories look like, because you do already kind of have that gray area. I mean, you know, spoilers for 
for Frozen 2, like find out that Anna's mom did this horrible ding dang thing. Well, also even the first one, Elsa is a great character. Mm, yeah. Because she has these powers she doesn't know how to control, so it makes her a bad person. And in classic Disney tales and what they were going to do, but decided against it, is make her the villain. Mm -hmm. But she's much more sympathetic character that they end up doing. And Anna is technically the hero, but she's not like, I'm an amazing good person. She still makes mistakes. Yeah, not the perfect hero. She and Elsa fight, like sisters, you know, as you do. And, and they have like their issues. And so it's not quite the same thing. And in kind of the same thing with even Princess and the Frog, the villain is villainy and villainous and ah, evil, but he's not as sneering as like Scar. And I think that's what they were trying to do with Jafar. You know, you said in the very beginning that they tried to sympathize Jafar with giving him that backstory and making him that more of a, okay, well, I can understand why he has these abandonment issues and why everything driving him is just to get people to love him because he never had any love. But at the same time, you're like, yeah, no, but you're just like a straight up villain. All of your actions point towards villainy. Just because I can understand it doesn't mean that it's okay. I wish it was consistent. Yeah, exactly. My other pet peeve, one of my favorite Disney villains is Corella DeVille. And I hate any adaptation that tries to make her sympathetic. She wants to skin puppies for coats. Yeah. She's evil. I don't care. There is nothing. Oh, she worked in the fashion world and spots were everywhere. And now she's obsessed with it. Criminally insane, really. She wants to skin puppies for coats. Yeah, there's a difference between a villain where you can understand their origin story and their actions are still wrong. Yeah. Thanos, he's one of my favorite modern day villains because they did such a good job of creating this detestable creature. But at the end of the day, you're going to be like, I see his point though. And I can see where people would get this conclusion, right? So I think there's a difference between those two types of villains. No, I love a villain that thinks they're doing the right thing. Yeah. That is a great trope. But, and so I would prefer them to create a character like Thanos than go back and try to rewrite Cruella de Vil. Yeah, agreed. And it's just not half a couple of Jafar because... He wants people to love him, I guess, but also he wants power, but also he's this crazy, demented, black magic wielder, but also he's stupid and can't actually use magic. Yeah. Pick a lane. The consistency is the problem. I agree. I'd be really worried what they would do to Scar. Because yes, there's the TV show and the second movie that makes him more like, oh my gosh, you were terrible to him. But Scar's awesome because he's a sarcastic genius surrounded by idiots. Yeah, exactly. And that's very obvious. And that's very obvious who he is now. And so it's like, he can have a sympathetic backstory, but give me my villain. Yes. It'll be interesting to see if they do a twisted tale on The Lion King. Because I haven't seen the live action, but I've heard nothing good. Eh, it just... <laughs> I have opinions about it, and that's for another podcast. <laughs> Fair enough. Because I am a diehard Lion King fan to the death, but I had some problems. Because again, you try and change a story that was written and produced the actual movie, right, in the 90s to a modern audience and you try and modernize it. And then all of a sudden the things that worked in the original story don't work anymore. Yeah. So write another movie. Yeah, exactly. That's what I liked about there was one adaptation they did that deeply changed the story, but elements of it were still there enough to know that you were pacing off. I think Cinderella did that really well. Honestly, Cinderella was the first one and it has been, I think, so far the 
best live action adaptation. I think it's the second. Maleficent was first. No, that wasn't an adaptation. That was a new story. Okay, yes, true. But it was also, oh my gosh, it's live action. That's more what I mean. Yeah, yeah that's fair. And Maleficent was great too. And so, but Cinderella, they did a pretty good job because they were able to change enough. But some of these other ones where you're just trying to adapt the same story, it just, it's not working super well. Yeah, and they need to pick Elaine between Cinderella, where they take the classic tale, because all of these are based on classic tales. Like, Disney did not write any of these. Yeah, none. But you take the classic tale like Cinderella and then add on to it and completely ignore the original movie. Or you do like Beauty and the Beast and basically the same thing. Yeah, almost a word-for-word replication. And they added a couple of plot pole things, but other than that, they sing the same songs and everything. Yep. So if you have to pick a lane, are we going to completely reimagine it? Or are we going to do a Disney movie? Yeah. Because I think when you change enough to reimagine it, it works. Yes. Or you stick almost exactly to it with new actors and all that kind of stuff. And it still works a little bit. But when you try and just change things for the sake of changing them, not so much. They also tried to do the same thing with Jafar in the live action where they were outside, I think, the Cave of Wonders. And then Jafar's like, my mom left me, blah, 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 blah. And he's the simpering, small, whatever. So many thoughts on Jafar in the live action. But it's the same kind of thing. Jafar's a great villain. I don't understand why you need to modernize it. Yeah, exactly. And because it's so deeply connected to the movies, down to the artwork on the cover, now officially, (laughs) you might as well just go full. Do it. Yep. But yeah, the tonal differences and then the changing laws of magic. Yeah. I'd probably read it again. I've already recommended the entire series to a couple people because I just think the concept is interesting. No matter in the end how good it is or not, I'm curious enough to read it. And I think at the end of the day, that's the point. It doesn't matter if you liked it or not. The point is you still bought it and read it. True. Well, technically, I got it on Prime Readings. <laughs> I did not pay for it, but somebody paid for it. Yeah, those profits still go to the author kind of thing. See, that's where I'm kind of at, where it's like, I want to read the other ones, but I have no desire to read this one again. I would just watch the movie. If I was really, for some reason, hankering for Aladdin, of all things, then I would just watch the movie. I don't think I would read the book again. I was like, okay, that happened. The cool ideas, sort of. Yeah. So that's kind of a shame, but we'll see how some of the other books does. This was a first stab. I think Liz writes the next one too. She writes the next maybe two or three and it switches. At some point they bring in a second author because this one was published in September 2015 and the next one was published April 2016. And another thing with the license, if you're going to write license stuff, you have to write fast. Yeah, very fast. Because they want to go. And so at some point they had to bring in a second person because it would just be unrealistic for Liz to write all these books. So we'll see. First stab. Yeah, she writes the first three and then they bring in the next person, Elizabeth Lim, and then Liz again, and then Jen... Elizabeth, Liz, Jen, Liz. And then this new one, Almost There, is by a whole new author, Farrah Roshan. I'm definitely interested to see how the writing style changes book to book, or author to author, I mean. Well, even book to book, because the tone of Aladdin is so different than Sleeping Beauty. That's fair. That's fair. And I'm looking as a looking forward to the future. You know, the question for Sleeping Beauty for Once Upon a Dream is, what if Sleeping Beauty never woke up? Yeah. And that's the end of the movie. It takes us so long to get to that point. So I'm like, how much torch I shouldn't say torture how much plot are we gonna have to get through until a twist happens my question is 
Okay. Yeah. So what? The end. <laughs> the movie just ends. The kingdom falls to chaos. That's it. Bye. Oh my gosh. That's not a very good question, actually. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Based on the fact that this question was wrong, or not wrong, but not exactly accurate, I'm wondering if that question is going to be a little off, too. So we'll have to see. What can you do? <laughs> You're like, okay, well, she's dead, basically. Coma forever. Sucks. Guess we'll have to find a new ruler. Yep. So we'll see. I don't know what you would do with that. I know. I'm excited. And again, that's the whole point. Is they're like, oh, what's different? I've got to read it. Once. Maybe not twice. But we'll see. Yeah. This one for sure, we're at once. We're at once. So there we go. One question for the author. I'm really curious why they started with Aladdin. Yeah. I don't know. I was wrong. I looked it up. Live action Aladdin was announced in 2016. So there's no way it was in, in anticipation of that. I have no idea how the 90s movies rank. So I don't know why they chose this one. I mean, in the about the author, it says that she has a degree in Egyptology, which is wild. So maybe because this is really the closest you get. Which explains why she brings up Egypt and makes it seem like Agrafa is an actual place. Yeah, the cuneiform. And then she mentions Baghdad. I thought that was interesting. So that's the closest you get to, to Egypt, I think, in Disney. So maybe... But I don't know. It's not a bad pick. Mm -mm. It's not like, I don't know. What's a random, not as popular? It's not Brave, which Brave is amazing. It's just, it was Disney's fault in so many ways. Moving on. <laughs> we can get into my marketing rants another day. So it's not like Brave, where it's not as popular. It's just Aladdin. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Because the other villain series starts with Snow White and the Evil Queen. That makes sense because that's iconic. Yeah, I agree. It was the first princess movie, so. Yeah, so that's iconic. And then the next one of this is Maleficent, which she is iconic. Yeah, overall, I think Sleeping Beauty was the third princess movie. I wonder if they did it because if they had started with a princess princess, then boys wouldn't read it because it's a girly series. I know, it's dumb, but maybe. I mean, that could have been a thought. And so I do wonder maybe if they were like, hey, it's a YA for everybody, not just girls. We're not just princesses. And I wonder if starting on something like Cinderella would have given it more of a, oh, that's for girls vibe. Maybe. Maybe that's something that actually accidentally happened to them with a villain series because the villain series I think started in like 2012 so I wonder if they were pigeonholed a little bit and they were like hmm let's make this for everybody it's it's everybody we swear guys even though most of them now are princess books but it's fine it's everybody guys we swear yeah fair question why the carpet man why go after the carpet that was so sad yeah I was so sad that was probably the most grueling part of the book was when they destroyed the magic carpet and then used it to let everyone float that was kind of wild so I like how they used it yeah I kind of wish at the end the magic carpet came back though yeah that would have been great but we had to destroy all magic so it just wouldn't have been a regular carpet. Yeah. But even then, I do kind of wish carpet came back together and even if it lost its magic, they could still have it in the hideout or the palace. Yeah. That was really sad. Why carpet? We kept a boo for all this. Come on. Yeah, for real. Rating, which is hilarious. I gave this a cutting up a magic carpet out of 10. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, painful. There are so many good things, but I feel like they were dissecting something really good. And so traces of it were really cool but as a whole I was kind of like meh yeah I mean I think if you don't think too hard about it and you read it you're like huh that was an interesting take and then you just move on and on Goodreads I gave it a four but just because 
Yeah, it was interesting. It was written pretty well, all that kind of stuff. But when you really get into it like this, maybe a little bit lower. I gave it a four, but that was right after I finished it. I always try to rate it then because now I would give it a three now that I've sat with it for a while. But I've also probably forgotten a lot of cool things. So who knows? Exactly. I just meh. Yeah, meh. What would your rating be? Hmm. A useless monkey out of 10. Yeah, I know. Or a ghoul being able to remember its afterlife out of 10. Like, come on. That doesn't make any sense. They didn't use it! Except for Razul. But it's just like, ah. Uh. Yeah, you literally set it up for that single moment. I feel like it would have been more impactful if we hadn't known that was possible. And Razul still did it. Yep. And in a way, I would like to point out Razul still betrays Jafar. So, haha, I win. Yes, you called it too early, but it did actually end up happening. So, I will say, though, from what you said, so I was actually really worried I wasn't going to finish this book in time. So this morning I cut to the last two chapters to read it because I wasn't quite done. I was like, I got to at least know the ending so I can talk about this book. And so that's actually the chapter I picked up on was when they got into the castle and I saw him do that thing with Rasul. I'm like, oh man, that's so cool. He appealed to his humanity and blah, 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 blah. And then I've finished it in plenty of time. I really overestimated how difficult it was to actually just sit down and read. So I started back where I had left off and ended up finishing the entire book. And then I saw it explained. I was like, oh, well, thing. Yeah, that would have been so cool if their bond was so strong. Yeah, because it wasn't even a friendship. It was just their lives were so intertwined together that you can still reach him after his soul has technically left his body. That would have been so cool, but no. No. We had to explain it. Yeah. In a really weird scene. Yep. Sometimes the vagueness and not explaining things is helpful to you. It was... It was a concept. Yeah, it was. The whole bring people back from the dead and then actually having to wait to permanently kill them. Like I said, that's how it is in Game of Thrones with the White Walkers. If you just die, you can be raised back to life later unless you're burned after deaths. So. I'm just saying, if you were going to go all walking dead, go walking dead. Yeah. But alas. Nope. It was an interesting take on zombies. Flying zombies. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that must have taken him so long to sew all those shoes. I doubt he was the one who did it. I don't know why he was the one that cut up the carpet either, but he might have thought that he can't trust anyone else to do it. Fair. And once it was already cut up, then it didn't matter. Oh, that would have taken so long. Also a little bummed they didn't get to have their whole new world adventure, but that's fine. I know, and it even had it on there. They did a homage to it where Jasmine was like, you know, it would have been really nice to go on that carpet and go for a ride or however it was. And I'm like, oh, there it is. Heaven forbid we have more romance beside, oh my gosh, I want to kiss her face. Which was fine, but it was just like, meh, could have done more. Oh well. I think it's a hot take coming from you because typically, especially when it's the boys showing the affection and describing the female character, you're not a big fan. I'm not because it is okay you can tell it's a woman writing a man yeah but that's beside the point it's all good it wasn't bad romance i just wish it was better established but ya's tend to be that oh my gosh i love you i love you we're gonna be together forever forever because you know teenagers yeah i agree it's fine it's all good i'm picky with romance i am really picky that's on me fair if you liked the romance it's fine yeah it was there but it wasn't overwhelming because at the end of the day to me it is unrealistic to have really in your face romance and all that kind of stuff in the middle of a war zone yeah i'm glad they didn't do that but the lead up is where the only thing because it's like oh you guys are so cute and have such a great connection and now you are devoted to each other forever and we will never <laughs> change any levels here fair yeah you are getting married that is what you're doing Woo. yep and you're gonna be prince which is wouldn't he still be a sultan i'm confused she's not a princess anymore she's sultana why is he a prince yeah that's a good point anyway that aside confusing maybe it was to make it really 
really obvious that he's not the one ruling, but I'm pretty sure the Sultan's wife isn't called Princess, so confused. True. Anyway. It's all good. That's also how Jasmine technically proposes. <laughs> She's like, and you're gonna be Prince. And he's like, wait, what? Yeah, that was great. I'm gonna do what now? She's like, yeah, you're gonna be Prince. Why not? Which is kind of a power move, and I kind of appreciate that. Yeah. Because she is the woman in power, and she's like, and you're gonna be my prince. And he's like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm gonna do what now? Exactly. Showing her confidence in that she is the leader. And that's where Jasmine shines. She is the leader, and she's like, I have chosen you. There are things about Jasmine I really like, and then there are things about her I don't. Yep. I like Morgiana most of the book. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Beside the whole letting Jasmine put her hood down. Yeah, come on. You're a better guard than that. But that was black convenience. <laughs> yep. A lot of that comes down to this. It was just there to move the plot forward. Oh, well. I wish there was a little bit more with Jeannie. Yes. But they did what they could. It was their first shot. I want to see if it gets better from here. I would hope it gets better from here. Yep. I think it will. Because if you have a bunch of meh books, beside the novelty of, oh my gosh, it's a new one. I don't know how you would sustain a series. Yeah. So that's why I, th- I have to think it gets better. I have to think. I have to think. The next book is not a waste of my time. <laughs> the series will not be a disappointment. Yeah, a disappointment or a lesson in wasting our time. Don't buy everything Disney writes down. Thank you for exploring a whole new world with us. I'm Sam Reiner. And I'm Caitlin. And we hope to see you and a friend here next time. Escape With Me Book Club is a Lunar Skulk production. Check us out on TikTok or Instagram to keep up to date with us. Lunar underscore S-K-U-L-K.